ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. Earlier this month, YPulse, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, released their social media playbook. Mary Lee Bliss, YPulse's chief content officer, is here to share how marketers interested in connecting with young consumers should be using social media. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we get to dive into this. You and I have often talked about, well, how do you use social media? And I can't wait to dig in. But before we do do that, can you give listeners a bit of context about YPulse, who you're surveying, how many people, how old they are, where they are, how often you're talking to them, and what it generally means for margin of error? Absolutely. So YPulse is constantly surveying young consumers in North America and Western Europe. Each of our surveys on their behaviors or the big trends that they're fueling is run among 13 to 39 year olds in the region, um, an end of 1500 in the US and Canada for our North America. America reports, nationally representative across age, gender, race, ethnicity, and region. And we're looking at very small margin of error and very recent stats on how they feel. Fantastic. I love all the data. It's so granular and so recent. <laughs> We've spoken a lot about TikTok, the TikTok juggernaut, and how it hasn't seemed to slow down, even though we thought maybe it would. So if we're talking about social media playbooks, is it really just a TikTok playbook? It is not, which I'm very proud of. We talk about TikTok, of course, and in the intro, we are establishing state of socials and TikTok is number one in terms of the platforms used for 18 to 24 year olds. It's number two for 13 to 17 year olds. So obviously hugely important and we reference it throughout. That being said, we are very specific to say you cannot ignore other platforms. Well, on average, how many social platforms are young consumers on? Yes, they're on an average of six social platforms. TikTok is the one everyone's still talking about, but they're not only using TikTok. They're on many platforms. So do you have an average for the number of platforms they're on daily? Is it six daily that they're on? or So what's... that is just the total number of, okay. of self-estimate that they use. In terms of how many they're using a day, we're going to assume it's, it's less than that, but I would say likely not that much less. Okay. Okay. What strategies would you recommend for brands to use to diversify their social media presence beyond TikTok? Like if I'm, I'm a brand, what are the other, how should they evaluate? I mean, there's only so much spend. They have a pie. Yes. How should they mm -hmm. be thinking about these other platforms? Well, understanding your top target demographic and knowing where they are spending their time is so key. Okay. So when we're looking at the data, the top platforms used by 13 to 17 year olds versus 18 to 24 year olds versus 35 to 39 year olds, or young people of color versus young parents versus young LGBTQ plus males, females, they are different. Right. So knowing the specific platforms your target audience is spending their time on is number one. Okay. Okay. As hard as it is to believe right now, back in 2018, it was a hard pitch for marketers to convince brands to participate in TikTok. It was new and people didn't really think it mattered. And new social media platforms continue to develop. How should brands be approaching new platforms? 
brands need to test new platforms. And we absolutely do encourage to jump on a new platform that's getting a lot of buzz. But what really needs to be understood is that you cannot bank on any new platform for long-term success. So many of them are flashes in the pan. You need to think of them as experiments. Right. So we're thinking like the way Be Real, maybe it does well in France still, but in here it was interesting. Great example. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Be Real has so much buzz, right? Right. But currently only 6% of 13 to 39 year olds in North America are using Be Real. And it definitely has seen some minor increases over 2023, but nothing huge, nothing that really matches up with the amount of buzz in the marketing world that there was. What criteria, if if you're deciding whether to even spend anything on testing, what criteria should you consider when deciding how much to test, how far to go? What what do you think? Is it, again, just understanding if your audience is there and how would they find that out? Right. So I think when you see young people are talking about a platform on another platform, that's a really interesting oh, one, right? So there was okay. a lot of content about Be Real on TikTok. And we start, we do see certain platforms going viral on other platforms. That's a n- nice sign that it might be something you want to jump into. Hmm. But again, I don't think it's necessarily a percentage because we started tracking TikTok back when 5% of 13 to 39-year-olds were using the platform. Not all, a lot of brands were willing to experiment, but those who did and got their foot in the door started building an audience back then, now are reaping the rewards of that. They have a more clear understanding of the language that's used on TikTok and the types of posts. And it's much more natural for them. And they, of course, have had more time to build their audience. So we're certainly not saying not to jump into platforms that are small. It's just with this caution note that so many of them are not going to be the next big thing. And that really needs to be understood. Right. So you've identified a, a platform to to build an authentic connection with your audience. Most of the marketers are not necessarily carbon copies of their target audience. So what are some guidelines around how to be authentic and how to connect on whatever the given platform is? One thing that we really encourage is to have a social media team that's given latitude and freedom. They need to be able to move quickly because part of being authentic on a platform is moving as fast as the trends on that platform. Whether we're talking about TikTok or Instagram or a a new one, you have to really move quickly. And so the social media team needs to be given freedom and trust. There also has to be a strong team in place, right? It can't be a single person who's trying to manage all these different platforms. Now, that's not going to be realistic for a lot of brands, which means that those brands really should be focused on just one platform if they don't have the proper team in place. Well, that's well, that's interesting right there. So if you if you don't have a big team, it's better to be authentic on one platform then spread yourself thin across all of them. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. I think in terms of what young consumers are looking for out of brands, they don't expect brands to be on every platform that they're on. So Mm -hmm. best to do it in one place really well than to half-ass it across a lot. Fantastic. Well, if we're going to talk about TikTok, we should also touch on the other social media platform that's been all over the news and one that's been at the other end of the popularity spectrum, and that's Twitter, now known as X. Where should X be in the playbook? So the lesson that we're telling brands in this is that they can feel safe to forget about X. It's not that no one is using the platform. That's certainly not true. 
but it is roughly a quarter of 13 to 39 year olds who use Twitter X. That's versus about a third in November of 2022. So definitely a decrease over the year. But it isn't just recently that we've seen the numbers go down. We have an article where we outline the slow decline of or slower decline of user numbers for young consumers on X over years. This has really been a longer process that it hasn't been a number one platform for young consumers. They're still seeding some of this content on other platforms that they're on. Um, I think one of the things that was interesting about X and the opportunity, if you did have a crack social media team, was that because it was text and because it was often linked to current news, newsy things, you could have you could have a breakout moment as a brand. Right. First of all, does text function on any other social platform in a similar way as it you the old Twitter, if you will? Right. And is text even interesting to this younger consumer? Yes. So we argue, yes, it absolutely is. What we really have seen is that text is used on posts on Instagram and TikTok, a screenshot from other platforms, and then it tends to actually have more of a life even on these other platforms. So forget about X, not about text. Text posts are still relevant. And you see that very clearly in memes and A lot of viral content is text-based still, but it is posted on a video platform. So there's really kind of that cross-pollination that's going on. Interestingly, TikTok announced that they're launching a text-only feature because of how much activity they see in comments and captions. And text is a big part of the content that young people are creating. It's just woven into the videos and, and the more visual content that they are focused on. I have a question for you about how people are using Instagram, the grid versus stories and reels. Have you seen a shift there? And should brands, if they're thinking about how they're posting, I mean, obviously you can put text in the stuff in the grid. Are people even looking at the grids anymore? What what are you more granularly within Insta? How, how are you seeing it successfully used? Yeah. So for young consumers, the grid is really reserved for obviously things that they want to be more permanent. And most of the activity though is happening in stories. So there is definitely a shift there where stories are kind of the main way that young people are posting on Instagram. And we tell brands, if you want to post like Gen Z, which is part of being authentic on a platform is really mirroring the way that they are posting themselves, then really you should be leaning hard into stories and reserving that grid for very select posts. And what about reels? Are we using reels and stories interchangeably or is it no, actually it's, they really, it's stories. They are different, right? So stories have, is the ephemeral and that's part of, I think the appeal for young people is that they don't want content that's going to last forever. And we've well, seen I, that developing over years in terms of a preference. But as a brand, I mean, if you're investing in video content, the idea that it's going to be ephemeral can be like ah, a punch to the gut. You know, um, sure. So certainly video is incredibly important. You know, we know that from TikTok and Reels and YouTube shorts are a big part of young consumers' social media use. But if we're talking about posting like Gen Z, it really is about stories. Okay. Okay. In December, we talked about gaming. Should marketers consider gaming platforms part of their social media strategy? Absolutely. It needs to be understood that 
platforms like Roblox, like Fortnite, metaverse platforms are social platforms, not just gaming platforms. This is where they're spending time with friends. And we're reiterating here things that we've talked about before. Right. Um, but it's really important because they are spending time with friends in games. They are, for Gen Alpha, having virtual play dates in Roblox. Mm-hmm. They are social media spaces. And brands should be thinking about that when they think about the experiences that they're creating in virtual worlds. Is this something that they can do with their friends? Is this creating a place where they can spend time with their friends or meet new people because that's part of their experience there too. Mm, okay. But it's really about creating the experience, right? Or is it, do you comment? I mean, what is the way in which you interact in the gaming social space as a brand? So for brands, yes, really creating that experience for them or sponsoring something that they can use and share with friends is really the way that you should be engaging. It's not about just having kind of a a billboard in that space. You want that to be an interactive kind of experience. And for brands and people who in marketing who are listening, that is not a one and done. If you treat it like one and done, it won't be as successful. So it's an, it's an ongoing investment. It's absolutely ongoing. It needs to be kept up, right? You don't want this to be an abandoned space. Right. Yeah. (laughs) The tumbleweeds going by. You mentioned YouTube earlier. Is YouTube a social platform? I've heard people debate that, but you, you would firmly say YouTube is social. Yes. YouTube is absolutely social. And I think it's has been debated because so many brands treat it as just a broadcasting, but think about the comments in the comment section in YouTube is where so much community is being built and so much really is happening socially. Mm -hmm. I think that's really overlooked by a lot of brands. So it is both. Both things can be true and are. But I think that you need to think about YouTube when you're thinking about your social media plan. So so you could use it as a broadcast outlet, but your social media team, if they're exploiting is such a horrible word, but let's use it, exploiting it to connect. It's about going into comments and it's a sort of a separate approach. Is that? Absolutely. And I think it's not just on YouTube that the comment section is so important. And that's definitely one of the lessons we have in the playbook is that you need to be using the comment section. You need to be engaging with people, not just on your own posts, but next level is then going to other people's content and getting in the comment section. And young people want brands to act like people on social media. It's something that Older generations might think of as cringy, but younger generations prefer. And so commenting on other content is definitely something we see brands successfully doing to have that authentic presence that feels appealing to Gen Z. How regular is regular in terms of engagement? I mean, is this like you should be doing it daily? It should just be part of what you're doing? I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. I think it's more about which posts you're commenting on than how much you're doing it. Right. As social media has evolved, consumers' feelings about social media and the way they interact with the platforms also evolves. You've identified an interesting trend among young women. Can you describe it and explain what it means for brands? Absolutely. So what we really see is young females are looking for social media spaces that are more of a respite, that are not as social, actually, that feel more like private inspiration and 
really mainly we're talking about Pinterest here. Pinterest okay. has become more and more popular with Gen Z females. And we've seen that popularity really eke up in the last couple of years. And what we really see they're getting there that they're not getting on other platforms is the lack of competition. It's not about putting themselves on display. It's about putting their inspirations and their passions on display, being able to really indulge in those passions and inspirations and really have a, an experience on social that is free of likes and comments that can really wear on their self-esteem. I was going to ask about that because I was, I, I do not, full disclosure, I do not use Pinterest. And I was wondering about, is there, are there comments or is it just your sort of things you're saving, right? I mean... Yeah, it's more focused on those mood boards, really. And there certainly have been functions where you can comment, and but it's really not focused on that. And it's certainly not focused on on likes and collecting that, mainly so because I'm of the brand, kind of content that you're posting. If I'm a brand, how can I participate? If, if they have to pull the content, if they have to like my stuff, do I just sort of sit there or do I create things that they can then see? What? How do I function on Pinterest? What do I do? I'm a brand. Let's say I'm a lifestyle brand, modern furniture. What, what, could, <laughs> I, what could I do? Well, having active boards is of course important. It's similar in thinking that you don't want to create something and then leave it. You need to be kind of keeping things up keeping things curated and keeping things new and fresh. So always kind of updating, creating mood boards that Pinterest is great in terms of sharing their content and what's popular on their, on their platform, right? They have this amazing trend report that they put out every year to sit, show what's been getting more popular. So participating in those trends and creating mood boards around those, but also you can really see what's happening on other platforms and create boards that fit along with those trends. They just feel like safer spaces to for young people, young women specifically, to be sharing content because it's not about sharing their own personality. It's about sharing things that inspire them. Right, right. Switching gears, we've talked about working with influencers and the importance that brands let creators control their own voice. Can you share any examples that appear where a brand has struck a good balance between giving a creator freedom, but also it seems very on brand, like somehow the brand has influenced them or that you've been impressed with the partnership output? Yeah, absolutely. We have some of that in the in the report. And one that comes to mind is Maybelline's partnership with Isabel Clancy, who's a TikToker who does skits about the early 2000s, being a teen girl and putting on the extensions and the terrible Y2K makeup. So she has a great following on, on TikTok and partnered with Maybelline. The partnership had two kind of versions to it. One was her kind of content where she really wrote the script and another was a collaboration between Maybelline and, and MTV, kind of more in the style of My Super Sweet 16. The one that she wrote, that Clancy wrote, got far more likes than the official ad. Mm -hmm. So it's obviously a, a more kind of niche case study. But I think just one example of where letting the creator write the script leads to more successful content. Right, because the the influencer has a following because of who they are. So exactly. you let them be who they are. Going back to talking about posting like Gen Z, mirroring Gen Z, how do you do this and not come across as sort of the Steve Buscemi, how do you do my fellow kids? You know, how do you <laughs> how do you avoid seeming apish? 
Yeah, there's a fine line, right? It's it's definitely not easy. And some brands are accused of being tryhards. That said, we see brands from all different industries. There's an example in the report of a, a law office in the UK that is incredibly successful on TikTok. Really? And yes, and they use their employees. And I think one key part is that you probably should have someone young who's in charge of your social media, right? That's always kind of been the case mm-hmm. for brands, but we know it can't be an intern anymore. That's Those days are long past, but it still needs to be someone who's plugged into the zeitgeist. But this law firm, 2.5 million likes on TikTok has gone viral several times. And it's all about showing their unserious side, showing their employees. And it's they, they have a lot of success by really being themselves. So we see brands from across industries really getting it right. A lot of the most popular brands are not brands that are off the cuff, ones that you would think are quote unquote cool. Scrub Daddy, Duolingo, like language lessons. Is that a brand that you would think would be massively successful on social media? But they are. So it's not as if young people only reserve their approval for certain brands, right? Really, so many brands have a chance on social as long as they are really leaning into it and leaning into that irreverence, letting their personality shine through. So I think it's more about the consistency of that. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, you, with enough consistency, you become one of the brands that they say anyone else doing it would be try hard, but Scrub Daddy and Duolingo can do it because They've been doing it for so long and they do it consistently. You said social media team, it's not an intern. Those days are gone. Can you unpack that a little bit more for me? Absolutely. So back in the day, it was kind of the norm for brands to just hand their social media over to the intern. And that's about as much attention was paid to it because that was the youngest person in the organization and the person who knew how to actually host on these platforms. But we are years past that being the case, you need to really have a cohesive team of multiple people who are experts on each of the platforms that you're posting on. And this is the main way that you are reaching young consumers, period, end of story, full stop. Let's pause there for a minute. So this is how you're reaching them more than the digital ad, the television ad. Is that what you're saying? hundred percent. In the intro of this report, we include some data from our ad and marketing behavioral report that we run annually. And we ask the last place they saw an advertisement that made them want to purchase something. The number one answer for 13 to 17 and 18 to 24 year olds is TikTok. Number wow. two, YouTube. Number three, Instagram. Far below that is cable TV commercial. It is at this point, really the only way that you need to be reaching young people is on these platforms. Cable TV, even streaming commercials are so far down the list in terms of where they're being influenced to buy things. Social media needs to be your number one plan. So this is where your investment is. So, and and that's, that is so useful. It is not your intern. It is also not, as we did mention earlier, it's not one person who's handed all of this. Plus, by the way, could you write articles for us? Plus, by the way, could you do, this is a, to do it well takes time. Absolutely. So you mentioned Duolingo and we've talked about them in the past, not only you, but with one of your colleagues, I also talked about them. Are are they an influencer in their own right? 
Yeah, we really think that brands can be their own influencers with that consistency by taking that approach that really mirrors Gen Z, that follows the trends on the platform. So Duolingo has kind of made themselves their own influencer. Of course, they work with influencers as well, but Mm. really that owl. (laughs) They've created their own influencer and they have 8.4 million followers to back that up. That's amazing. That's amazing. What about the power of regular people? How should brands be tapping into the democratized nature of social media? If we're in comments, you're not only going to be commenting on posts by influencers with million plus followers, you're going to be Commenting on regular people posts, I would yeah, presume. How how, how do regular people fit into things? Well, really at this point, nano influencers, the regular people on the platform should be more of a focus to brands than super influencers. Being able to partner with that person who has multi-millions followers count is so much more of a rarity. And really what you need to be doing is looking at the nano influencers that are already talking about your brand and putting the spotlight on them. I see. Okay. 78% of young people agree that they like when brands use regular people's posts in advertisements or social media feeds. The majority are creating content for an audience beyond friends and family, and the majority would like to be featured by a brand. Okay. So it's happening. They're creating content around brands. There's a million examples. You should be paying attention to that organic content and finding a way to put a spotlight on it, whether it's in the comment section, reposting, or partnering with those nano influencers. Because as you said, the democratization of the feed has happened. Mm -hmm. So really it is more about that user-generated content that's coming from all levels of influencer, not just those super influencers. Is there any, do people run amok sort of sock puppeting, creating a regular person and then interacting with that? Does that happen anymore? Yeah. So I think that Sure, still does happen. Or a recent example of a really great organic moment between a brand and a regular person is with Stanley Cup, right? Right. Stanley was featured in a post by a woman whose car set on fire and the Stanley Cup not only survived, but I believe still had ice in it. (laughs) Stanley posted a response to this and replaced her cup and her car. (laughs) Um, so this organic moment, great response from the brand. There were then after that, a couple of examples of posts from other brands that tried to replicate that and felt a little bit like this might not be as real Mm. and young people can suss that out very quickly. They are little detectives and I don't say little in a demeaning way. (laughs) I just mean, there's a lot of them right? and they are putting in the work. So yes, I think that still happens, but are those moments as successful as those that they can tell or are organic and real? No, I don't think so. Right. Well, and it also, what's interesting is that Stanley Cup, you had a social media team that was fast, nimble, aware, and they obviously, in order to replace a car, they had to be able to have voice and get the attention of leadership. And the speed mattered. Yes. And the open door of the leadership to be receptive and to approve that kind of a spend Well, we've run through all of my questions. The report is really, really useful. And so anybody who's kind of thinking, okay, what do I, what do I, how do I tackle social media? This report is so great. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you.
We reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Not and the voice stars who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.